With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it is time for The Art of the CEO the show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and whether you are an amazingly innovative artist whose tattoo business keeps him fully funded, like Paul, or an investment counselor desperately trying to level for his clients what he sees as Wall Street's very unlevel playing field, like James, we're here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your business. Today's episode we have titled The Wizardry of Wawa. Yesterday we're going to chat about how one convenience store chain company in a business that's renowned for its lack of personal connection has taken the human and the personal relationship aspect as its primary value and also its main competitive edge and brought it forth uh, for the benefit of all around. That company is, of course, Wawa, with its currently 651 stores, most of which are based within a 200-mile radius of its Pennsylvania headquarters along the East Coast. But more recently, they have swept rather lavishly into Florida, where they have been very well received. And today, we have Mr. Howard Stokel, a quarter-of-a-century Wawa man, who recently retired as Wawa's CEO, a position he's held since 2005. And he was the first non-family member of the, to take the Wawa helm, and he currently sits on the Wawa Board of Directors as vice chair. And what I'm going to recommend to each aspiring business leader is to read Howard's new book, The Wawa Way. How a Funny Name and Six Core Values Revolutionize Convenience. But before we show you how a company really, really should be run, let me take a few moments to supply you out there with a few utensils for our Feast of Insights. First, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. That is the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. And I ask you, will this be the day that you look uh, at your work and you take some justifiable pride and even surprise yourself with what you've accomplished? Or will you allow your fantasies to get the better of you and look toward outcomes that draw you away from today's achievements? The choice is truly yours. Secondly, it is time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from 101 Best Business Quips. Let me take the book here and hold this. Hold on. Okay, okay, here we are. This is number 76. An angel investor is a shareholder who has graduated from chasing, graduated to, to chasing old scotch and young companies. As an afterthought, if you're tired of pouring all your funds into some nameless entity that you never really see, why not fund and get involved with a company as it burgeons and grows? 
who knows, you might even be an angel for a distillery. And our third utensil, perhaps we should uh, call today's utensil in honor of Wawa, the latte swirler, we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. Today, before we leave the air, we will broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of the author, as you believe him or her to be. Simply write info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you're right, we will announce your name on the air and send you a small token prize. Our author for last week's quote, uh, that is the individual who said, they have no bread, let them eat cake, was none other than the Queen of France's uh, was the Queen of France and wife of the ultimate trickle-down economy practitioner, King Louis of France. This loving pair uh, were the ones who inadvertently proved that you, that you can that by keeping in touch with your constituency, you can always get ahead. Anyway, uh, now let us dig into today's feast and call upon the expertise of that Wawa convenience store wizard and author, Mr. Howard. Stokel. Howard, how are you doing today? Bart, I'm doing great, and it's a pleasure to be with you. Oh, I thank you. I thank you. Howard, I know that the term Wawa to the Ojibwa Indians meant something very tasty. Could you tell us uh, what the name of your company translates into? Well, really, Wawa is a Native American word for Canada goose. But for mm-hmm. customers today, it really means convenience and, uh, we think, exceptional service. Um, and the Canada Goose has been our logo going way back to when we started the dairy uh, over 100 mm-hmm. years ago when the comedian stores took on the name of the dairy. My gosh, that's that's wonderful. And uh, so the tastiness continues. Now, I understand the first member of the Wood family got off the train at Wawa, Pennsylvania, about 1890, and, as you say, founded this highly successful dairy. I was wondering if you could give us a brief thumbnail sketch of how all of that transformed into getting newspapers and coffee in the morning and my getting hoagies at noon and batteries for my flashlight at night. Well, the Wood family moved to Wawa, Pennsylvania. They had vacationed uh, in media, and they loved this part uh, of Pennsylvania. And previously, the Wood family had been in business in New Jersey in the Millville Vineland area, uh, and they had two businesses, a uh, foundry, uh, that made cast iron piping, uh, made uh-huh. fire hydrants. In fact, if you go to uh-huh. New Orleans, you'll yeah. see the name R.D. Wood, the parent company, on fire hydrants there. Right. And then it evolved into textiles and actually made cloth baby diapers at huh. one time. Um, and then you know, both that businesses... Was, by the way, Howard, I want you to know that that was the second uh, New Jersey manufacturing of diaper material. The first came from the Lenape Indians who used New Jersey's own sphagnum moss. Anyway, well, apropos of nothing, there you have it. That's, that's <laughs> very interesting. So uh, those two businesses, after a period of time, were dissolved. Um, and uh, George Wood liked uh, the media Pennsylvania area, uh, vacationed here, and found a home which he nicknamed Red Roof because it had a red roof, uh, and moved here. And he was somewhat uh, bored and um, bought a small dairy up the street, uh, expanded the dairy, and it really was a hobby at first, but the dairy became a very successful business. And this was before pasteurization, before Louis Pasteur. And uh, doctors and hospitals would recommend Wawa milk as being safe and certified, 
Uh, and the ah. brand became very important in the Philadelphia marketplace. And um, they would deliver from Wawa, Pennsylvania, into depots in Philadelphia, and the dairy products would be delivered to hospitals, uh, schools, and homes. We had a route delivery system. Uh, We had the uh, old milk ban concept that would deliver the uh, milk uh, right to well, the uh, us, front door. What took us to 1964? I mean, what, that's, what Well, the, in the 1950s and 60s, there were more retail opportunities for supermarkets to expand. Uh, customers uh-huh. were beginning to buy products uh, in supermarkets, not having it delivered to the homes. And home right. delivery was on the decline. So Grandwood, right, right. a member of the Wood family, was president of Wawa Dairies. And he had a great group of people here. And he had seen that people in the foundry and the textile mill had lost their jobs. And he didn't want the dairy people to lose their jobs because they had done a wonderful job of building up the business. And he said, well, what do I do to create an outlet for my dairy products? So he had a friend that referred him to someone in Ohio who owned convenience Uh stores. And he went out to Ohio and spent a couple of weeks working in convenience stores, learning the business, and came back to the family and recommended that Wawa open convenience stores as an outlet to the dairy to preserve jobs and to maintain the Wawa brand. Um, And, you know, I talk about servant leadership in my book, and that's the essence of servant leadership, you know, preserving jobs, helping others, you know, make a good living, raise their family, and putting others first. And that led to the modern-day business. And Graham came back, had to convince family members, had to convince bankers, and the first couple of bankers oh, weren't too yeah. anxious to loan money uh, before Store One became reality in Folsom, Pennsylvania in 1964. Sure. So that's how it all started, from a dairy to huh. you know, becoming a retail outlet for uh, the milk products. And the initial stores basically sold dairy, deli, produce, um, huh. bread, and basically items that you would buy in a supermarket. But back in those days, believe it or not, supermarkets were not open late at night, and there were laws that prohibited big big box retailers from being open on Sunday. So convenience stores like Wawa, 7-Eleven, and others were the alternative to supermarkets. So that's how it all started. That's that's wonderful. And now... uh, from uh, from your point, you you meant you touched on something about the connection with the uh, with the people, and um, you've got this this firm that's celebrating its fiftieth year in uh, in convenience stores, and uh, it's grown to revenues of seven billion. And as you say in your your marvelous book, The Wawa Way. It's stayed in that family, and there comes a definite advantage, you say in the book, to keeping this large firm strictly in the family. What kind of advantages are you speaking about? Well, we are very passionate about three things, and these three things make Wawa Wawa. Uh, They really constitute our DNA, our corporate culture. And if these three things change, we would be a very different company. Uh, And what we're deeply passionate about, one, private ownership. We've always been privately held. Uh, We've never been a publicly traded company. Uh, We don't have investors who are private equity investors. Uh, We're owned by a family and owned by our associates. So as a privately held company... What does that do for you, Howard? What does that do exactly? You can can take a long-term point of view, Bart. 
I mean, you don't have to worry about quarterly earnings. If you want to make a financial decision and invest heavily in the business and forgo short-term earnings, you can because you're not worried about your stock price on Wall Street. You're not worried about retail analysts, and you're not worried about what the marketplace (laughs) is going to say. Our stock price changes once a year, and we're more concerned about profits over a couple years than we are any quarter. I've worked for publicly traded companies, and I know the pressure – that executives have on them each and every quarter. As a privately held company, we take a much longer point of view. For example, going to Florida. When you invest as heavily as we are in Florida, you're not going to make money for years to come. Uh, Wall Street doesn't get enamored by that. The stock price would probably get hammered. Uh, But we're able to take that investment. So private ownership is very important to us. Shared ownership, because, you know, we believe that we should share ownership with the people who make this a wonderful brand. Well, you know, I was going to ask you about that, because you say, you you make it sound as if, oh, well, we don't have shareholders. Oh, you have shareholders, all right. Can you tell us, what about that marvelous uh, employee stock purchase policy you've got? Well, we have an employee stock ownership program that owns 38% of the company. And if you're 21 years old, work over. (laughs) 1,000 hours a year, you become an owner in the company. Um, and no, we, have well over, we have well over 10,000 associates who own part of Wawa. So when they Is own 38%, or both? well, work over 1,000 hours a year, you know, you can be part-time uh, and be no part kidding. owner. Even, so even part-time people are shareholders in, in their business, in the business they're laboring on. And, and that's a wonderful situation because you're not only an associate, but more importantly, you're a shareholder. As I would tell our associates, I work for you. You don't work for me. You own this company. Uh-huh. Uh, you deliver yeah. the brand. And in the servant leadership model, it's an upside-down organization. The leaders of this business are here to support the people in the stores who deliver the brand experience who own this company. So when customers walk into a Wawa store, more than likely they're talking to an owner of the business because they are part of the employee stock ownership program. The third part of what we believe in is servant leadership. The most important right. people in this company are in the stores. Uh, they're serving our customers. They're delivering the Wawa brand experience. Uh, they're doing you know, extraordinary things. They're ordinary people that do extraordinary things. And servant leadership, helping others achieve their career expectations, giving back to the communities we serve, very important in terms of our culture. Graham Wood was the epitome of a servant leader, always putting other people first. Uh, His cousin, uh, Dick Wood, who really took a business that was very small back in the 1970s, uh, grew it to a much larger business, always said, my customers are my store managers and my store associates, and I'm here to serve them. And I need to develop processes and programs that enable them to serve their customer. Uh, You know, we don't have major executive perks here. There are no executive dining rooms in our office. There are no reserved parking (laughs) places. Everything is very modest here. Uh, The important things don't exist here in the corporate office or what we call a red roof. They exist out into the stores. They're the three things that make Wawa Wawa. I think that you've, you've you've really touched on a lot of things here. The, the three big things, and it's they all can be bundled into a single attitude. But I'd, I, there's one I want to pull out uh, is that you have that what you're talking about the three things is an outward-looking company. You're looking at the people 
who make this stuff, that is, the, the, the participants in the stores who make this experience, and the other direction that you're obviously looking all the time is the clients. And you said something that I'd like to mark down as a quill pen moment, ladies and gentlemen. Take out your pens, dip them in the inkwell, and mark this down, that the clients are the ones who direct this business, and they should be directing yours. As an old friend of mine, Dan Conley, says, you ain't a business till you've got customers. And uh, despite the grammar, the truth of that is absolute. And those are the people that you should be listening to. And the nice thing about Wawa is you're saying they aren't listening to them because it's really good for the bottom line. They're listening to them because they've had models like Graham Wood that care personally about the people with whom they do business. And it's that personal touch that I Well, Bart, you're absolutely right. And we listen to our store people. We listen to our store managers. We tour the stores. We work in the stores. We have focus groups with our store people. And they understand what their customers want. You know, we have two big selling categories, coffee and hoagies. You know, both of those concepts came from our store people. Um, I'm going to have you pick that up, Howard, where I, I, I... Really, why I heard that, and I wanted to. to uh, I'm going to ask you about that after our break. And, ladies and gentlemen, loath as I am right now to, to staunch the flow of, of uh, these many uh, very valuable insights, I'm going to uh, have us take a, a brief break in our morning feast and, and have a, a small sorbet because it is time to introduce the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing. They're the creator of Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit bartsbooks.com and explore a wide wealth of business tools. That's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And Prometheus Publishing would like uh, everybody enjoying today's show to take a look at two of our books, which we think you might enjoy. Number one is called uh, Intelligent Influence, The Four Steps of Highly Successful Leaders and Organizers, written by the very sharp Mr. Dale Caudwell. And he reveals in his book the ways that you are subtly influenced in your workplace, as well as outlining many strategies for bringing your own influence to bear effectively on the folks around you. And our other book, which so many of our listeners have asked about, is The 101 Best Business Quips. This is a little jolt of joy from which I read every show, and it's made up of, as the title implies, 101 Best Little Ironic Funny Business Humorisms, which have been selected from those weekly quips, which we send out to thousands of subscribers each week. So if you'd like the book, Visit BartsBook.com and browse to the bookstore, uh, and you can buy a copy. Or if you'd like to start receiving those, receiving the, the, you know, those refreshing little series of quips that'll come to you free via courtesy of Cyberspace, just go to the homepage and click on Bart's Books Business Quips by email, and boom, there you've got it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, and those poor pollution-sodden souls in Beijing, who's Air makes such a distinction difficult. We are back with our very insightful Mr. Howard Stokel. And Howard, I cut you off, but I really want to, to, to have, them, have you give them the story about how coffee and how first coffee and then how hoagies came to Wawa. Two of the biggest sellers. Tell us. Well, we really owe it to our enterprising general managers. And the year was 1975. 
uh, and store managers would come in and actually brew themselves a cup of coffee because, you know, they'd be coming in early in the morning, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, and customers would pick up on the aroma. And uh, the customers would say, well, can't you brew me a cup? Can't you sell me a cup of coffee? That's a great aroma. And initially they would say, well, no, because that's not a corporate program. And they would ask Red Roof, could we go ahead and do it? And the initial answer was no, but they went ahead and did it. And customers, ah. you know, responded to it in such a positive way that leadership said, wow, we better listen here uh, and we better begin to retail coffee. Likewise, with Hoagies, we had a deli, uh, we had produce, uh-huh. uh, we had bread. Customers would come in, well, can't you make me a sandwich? Uh, and store managers make themselves a sandwich. And our store managers have <laughs> yeah. great relationships with our customers. And, you know, store oh, managers would, you know, communicate to the uh, office, well, can't we get into the sandwich business? Well, finally, the <laughs> office said, yes, you can. So by listening to your internal oh, customers gosh. who really understand your external customers, great uh, ideas uh, happen. And Coffee and Hoagies are two of our biggest brands at this stage of the game. I don't know oh, where we'd be well, without them. But throughout our history, we, we've learned to listen to our internal customers. Um, our store associates interact with their ultimate customers each and every day and really understand oh, Now, some concepts come out of a lab, some concepts come out of strategic planning, but I would say more concepts come out of real-life marketing at store level and listening to people than any other avenue. Well, I think that's true, but I also think it is true because you have set a tone where your people, your employees working with you, are not afraid and feel they will be rewarded for coming up with such ideas and passing them on. You have to set the right atmosphere, and obviously you've done it. Well, Graham Graham Wood started that. I must say Bart back in 1964, and he would travel to the stores, listen to people, take meticulous notes, um, and then, you know, determine what all that meant. Um, And, you know, Graham was always willing to make mistakes, and always willing to try new things. So many companies are not willing to make mistakes. And let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, we right. went into the gas business back in the late 60s I was and early 70s. Ask you about that. And uh-huh. failed, failed miserably in the gas business because we didn't have big enough parking lots. We co branded right. with the major gas brands, and it wasn't uh-huh. you know, an equal relationship. So I would come into the... I would come into a Wawa and I would see Gulf and other yeah, that, logos well, it, in addition. Exactly. And it, it confused right, the right. customers, and there would be two pumps out in front. So, you know, 10 years later, we got completely out of the gas business. And then right, we, took, right. we, we took a pause and came back and said, well, maybe we should try it again. But this time uh-huh. we'll do it differently. We're going to do it on big lots with big stores a lot of pumps, and we're going to sell Wawa gas. And I remember going to the customers and asking the customers, well, what should we call it? Goose gas, uh, you know, <laughs> flying, flying bird gas, whatever. And they said, no, just put your own name on it. We love the name Wawa. It stands for quality, it stands for convenience, and it stands for value. So we just simply called it Wawa Gasoline. So we oh opened gosh. our first, you know, gas store in 1996, and we're now approaching 400 gas stores out of over 650 stores. We have more gas stores than we do non-gas stores. We sell, we sell almost 2% of the gas in the United States. 
Uh, I want to I here. I read that, and I almost I I, I was amazed. A two percent of all the gas in the United States comes because from Wawan. We're so high volume within our stores, so we learn sure, from our sure. mistakes. Let me give you another example. Uh, about okay. twenty years ago, I went out to Seattle and studied the coffee craze, the specialty coffee right. craze: espressos, oh, cappuccinos, yeah. Oh, yeah. lattes. We came back and opened up about twenty stores with true espresso bars, very much like right. a Starbucks. It failed yeah. miserably, yeah. and we were ahead of our time. Uh, and our customers uh-huh. just simply wanted cappuccino out of the machine, and they wanted our coffee. So then we came back about three or four years ago after testing Uh repeatedly um, and came out with specialty uh, beverages, smoothies and uh, coffee beverages, and it's been a great success. So throughout our history, many of the things that we've tried didn't work the first time. Um, We took a pause and came back a second time. So we talk about we may not get it right the first time, but we'll get it right the second time and never give up. Graham Wood opened Wawa kitchens within stores back in the 70s and sold chicken and french fries and hamburgers. All right, well, right. Uh-huh. Th- that didn't work either, but then we uh-huh. came back with a line of hot foods and a line of hoagies and sandwiches, uh, which has been quite successful. You know, throughout our history, we've closed 392 stores. You know, we may have 650 stores, but if stores don't succeed, we close the stores. Facing up to mistakes, being humble about your mistakes, learning from your mistakes, and moving on is a very important part of our DNA. And we talk about those mistakes. I, as CEO, talked about my mistakes constantly because we wanted to create this environment in terms of what Graham Wood started with in 1964 that encouraged innovation. And it's fine to make a mistake if you learn from the mistake. And I would tell you that every mistake that we've made, we've learned from. Um, when I was in marketing, I co-branded yeah. with Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Now, let me tell you this. Sure, when sure, we right, went, yeah. went out and asked customers, do you want us to put Pizza Hut and Taco Bell in our stores? They said, no, it's a crazy idea. But we did it anyway because there's a trend to go to co-branding. Yeah, right. And when we put it in our stores, our associates didn't like it because they said, that's not Wawa. We're not Pizza Hut. We're right. not Taco Bell. We don't want to make pizzas. We don't want to make little tacos. We don't want to make hoagies. And customers got confused. Well, we put 100 in, right. we took 100 out. But from that experience, we became better food retailers because when you have national brands in your stores, you have to think and act like a national brand. And that yeah. really helped, helped discipline us to think like major brands. Uh, and well, today, you the were taking brand, the advantage here of, ab- of, of having a Wawa brand. And I think it sounds like in most cases it was more powerful than perhaps you realized. And you didn't need the crutch of uh, another brand because your own had been built so strongly. Howard, I want to ask you one thing about that's going to help our, our CEOs out there. Now, you came in as the first non-family member of uh, – first non-wood family member of uh, Wawa, and uh, I've heard you refer to them. They set ideas, and they set ideals, and they were, were very good ideals, but were you, were you bothered a little bit by the ghost of CEOs past? Did you have to feel, uh, did, did you feel hampered at all? Well, I, I tell you, I never forget the first couple weeks or perhaps the first year as CEO. One, I never oh, dreamed I, I never dreamed I would be CEO. Uh, and when right. I came to Wawa in 1987 as the head of the uh, human resource team, I fully equipped. I would expect that I would stay in that role. 
Um, right. And when Dick Wood decided after more than three decades of leadership he wanted to retire, uh, there's a void to be filled. Um, and I was given an opportunity to fill that void and be the first non-family member. And I have to give the owners of this company and the board tremendous credit for saying, we're going to go to a non-family member. Um, and I think what helped me was that the first 25 years of my career, I had spent in human resources. In human resources, you serve others. You build people. You build the organization. You put their career interests first. And then right. after I was in, mar- uh, in human resources, I went into marketing. And, and then you're building brands, and you're, you're building right. the business. So I became somewhat so you, of a business builder. You had a full perspective there when you came in. Yeah, building people, building brands really helped me evolve into the CEO role. But I've always viewed my most important job, the number one job, was preserve, nurture, and manifest the wonderful culture that has existed in this company for decades and decades and decades. What Graham Wood instilled um, and his cousin Dick Wood took to a much higher level, I wanted to bottle that so that that would be endearing and enduring. You know, Bart, I well, started Well, Howard, I think I, want, I will say, if you'll forgive the interruption, I do want to say that you have not only bottled it, but you didn't pickle it. You, you <laughs> took it forward on your own. And, uh, Howard, I was wondering if you could just tell our listeners uh, how they might get a hold of your insightful book, The Wah Wah Way. Well, it's on Amazon. Um, and during the 50th anniversary, we did sell it in the store, but today it's only on Amazon, and it can All be right. ordered on Amazon and shipped very, very quickly. All right, Howard, I thank you very much. It's been a wonderful session. I've learned so much, and I hope everybody else has. I thank you. Well, Bart, today, I as we fun. round out the, the sh- today's show, I'm going to ask you uh, of the business, our final business quotation. Who said, someone is sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago? The hint, that gentleman has an eye for both slow and steady growth as well as explosive fruition. Send that in, send that, the authors you believe him to be to info at bartsbooks.com. And finally, as a parting shot in the words of my wife's husband, the daily commute is an emotionally charged limbo filled with either eager anticipation or dread, depending on what lies waiting for you at the office at home. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.